Good evening, saints. We're thankful to God for his faithful love, for his kindness and mercy in allowing us to meet again tonight to worship him in spirit and in truth. Each of you are welcome. We praise God for your attendance. Our visitors, we thank you for being here. Let's go to God in prayer, please. Our gracious and merciful Heavenly Father, hallowed be your great and amazing name. We pray our worship will and has been pleasing and acceptable in your sight and in accordance to your will and your way. And we ask, Lord God, for your help that something has been said this day to strengthen our walk of faith, that we might be stronger today than we were yesterday and prepared for the battles to come in our future. These things we ask and pray and thank you for in that wonderful name of Jesus Christ to be that will. Amen. Tonight we're going to Acts chapter 13, and we're going to talk about personality clashes. They happen. <laughs> they happen in the church. They happen amongst us in the world. They, they happen all the time. And, and it doesn't really matter, really, the people. It's just situations and circumstances. Uh, in Acts 13, Paul and Barnabas, two men of great faith, had a real big issue. And I want to look at verse 13 and verse 2 because the Holy Spirit first set them apart. Look at what happened when... Now, I may be wrong in this, but let me just think about this for a second. The Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul. Watch, watch verse 2. And while they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And they went on this work together and it went great. Right. It's a fantastic work. Fantastic work. The Bible says it's so great that in verse 26, they went back to tell the brethren uh, all the experiences. Verse 26 says uh, of Acts chapter 13, Brethren, sons of Abraham's family, and those among you who fear God, to us the word of this salvation is sent out. For those uh, who live in Jerusalem and their rulers recognizing neither him nor the utterances of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath, fulfilled these by condemning him. And though they found no ground for putting him to death, they asked Pilate that he be executed. Why? The sermon, right, comes up. And they're talking about the great Messiah, and he died for us, and the Holy Spirit set apart Barnabas and Saul and is it that sometimes we, we put one foot ahead of the other, or should I say, we put a foot ahead of God, and when we do that, we're setting ourselves up for some failure maybe? Maybe I'm wrong. But this great sermon about all that happened, the great message about all that happened, the great excitement with the Holy Spirit, and then in chapter 15 of the book of Acts, Verse 26, as they're talking about this great work, listen to what happened. Sorry, Acts 15 and verse 36. After some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit the brethren in every city which you proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. Now, I'm not saying that, that Paul didn't pray first. I don't know. It doesn't say he did when you read the text. I don't know if Paul put one foot ahead of the other. 
and Barnabas put a foot ahead of the other. But it's, it's, these great men went on the first mission, separated by the Holy Spirit, and everything was great. John Mark was with them. And at some point, he proved not to be someone that ought to be on the next mission in the mind of the apostle. Right, wrong, or indifferent. The one thing that didn't happen in the discussion between verse 36 and verse 37, they didn't say, let's pray and ask the Holy Spirit. Let's ask God if John Mark should go. Instead, what happened was, verse 37, Barnabas was desirous of taking John Mark, called Mark, along with them also. But Paul kept insisting that they should not take him along, who deserted them in Pamphylia and had not gone on with them to the work. And there was a, arose such a sharp agreement that they separated from one another. And Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. And Paul chose Silas and departed, being committed by the brethren to the grace of the Lord. There was this clash, right, between the two of them. Was it a personality clash? What was it? What exactly, what exactly was it? In verse 41, the text, God uses his people. Uh, verse 41, and, and he was traveling through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. And so God's work did go on. But I want you to think, go back to Acts 4, about of all people, Paul, and who was Barnabas? And Barnabas, Levi, verse 36, Joseph, a Levite of superior birth, was also called Barnabas by the apostles, which translated means he wasn't too encouraging in that chapter 15. Sons of encouragement. He was a son of encouragement. Paul was a great apostle, but the son of encouragement and the great apostle clashed together because of John Mark. Right, wrong, or indifferent. You know, spirituality does help us to have less frequent clashes, but it doesn't erase personality differences. Paul and Barnabas were, were united. I'm going to Acts chapter 15. They were, they were mature. They were godly men. And so we can't blame it on that. I think what we can blame it on is just to always remember to stop, step back, and pray about it. Let God in. Maybe I disagree and maybe I'll say, you know, maybe this is going to work because I think this is the best way to go, the best approach. And someone else says, well, I think this is the best approach. And we really don't know the answer. We pray to God and ask God to help us out and let God bless the work. And if it needs to divide into two, then so be it. But it just doesn't say they went to God. And in Acts 15 in verse 24, I want you to just for a moment, just think about the fact that they're godly, they're godly men. They're mature men. They're spiritual men. Since we have heard that some of our uh, number to whom we gave no instruction have distributed with their words, unsettling your souls. It seemed good to us, having become of one mind, to select men to send you. 
with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So they're in the answer to the question regarding the Gentile and the Jew. But the point I'm trying to make is these were godly men. So do godly men have disputes? Yes, they do. Godly women, do they have disputes? Yes, we do. We have personality issues. We have clashes in general. My encouragement tonight is to remember, always step away and go to the Lord. Turn to Colossians, please. What do you have to love about the Bible? And what, if someone says, give me a great um, biblical example as to why you know the Word of God is inspired by God, you could say, God never erases the blunders, the bloopers, the faults, and the issues, even of some of the greatest men in the Bible. The Bible exposes them. Colossians 3 and verse 12 gives us some insight on what we ought to think about doing whenever we find ourselves in a conflict or a personality clash. And so, as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Someone might say, but Paul didn't do that. It doesn't matter. The Word of God is inspired. This is what we ought to do. Right? Remember to be compassionate. Remember to be patient. Remember to show kindness and humility and gentleness. Remember to be the people that God asks us to be. I, I agree. We're going to go to Romans 15. I agree that we're not all going to be able to work as well together. So sometimes we work better with some than others. And that's, those are personality things, right? And, and that's a part of who we are. But when those concerns come up and when those issues are before us, the question I ask is, are we going to the Lord about those personality clashes and issues or are we just demanding to be right? Romans chapter 15 and verse 1. Now we who are strong are to bear the weakness of those without strength and not just please ourselves. Now here's the, here's the mind-boggling question. Who was strong in, in Acts 15? Paul? And who was the weak? Barnabas? Or was Barnabas the strong and Paul the weak? Or was it, was it neither? I mean, what's the answer? I don't know the answers. I just know that, that differences happen in our, in our Christian walk of faith, but it doesn't excuse us. Stop and take it to the Lord. Verse 7 says, whether, uh, wherefore, accept one another just as Christ also accepted us to the glory of God. So I guess the question could be, we'll turn to Colossians chapter 4, could Paul and Barnabas have handled their situation being great leaders in the faith, great men of God, differently? And the answer is yes, they could have, but they're human. Right? It just happened. So we have to maintain control in our, in our walk of faith. But here's what I love about Barnabas and Paul and their dispute as godly men. What we learn from that is, or that incident is, they made things right. It's not told to us in the scriptures. We don't read when Paul, Barnabas, John, Mark, Silas got together and fixed the problem. But we know they did. Colossians chapter uh, 4 and verse 10 gives us an illusion that obviously they did. Um, Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, sends you his greetings, and also Barnabas, cousin Mark. 
about whom you receive instruction, if he comes to you, welcome him. Wait, is that the same John? Yes, the same guy. When, when he comes, you, you welcome him. 2 Timothy uh, chapter 4. Somewhere in there, they made it right. I, guess, I think the answer to us, also the encouragement is, don't, don't take this to the grave. Don't take it to the grave with you. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 11. Only Luke is with me. Pick up Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me for service. John Mark says, Luke, I'm not going with you to go work with, with, with Paul. I could have worked with Paul a long time ago, and he didn't want me then. That's not what happened. They made it right. And that's what we have to do, church. When their personality clashes, when their struggles in our walk of faith, we've got to always remember, at the end of the day, you've got to make it right. We have to make it right beautiful, right? Ephesians tells us something like, you know, we hear for husbands and wives, don't go to bed angry. What about us? What about, what about someone who's not your husband or your wife and you have a dispute with them? You've got to make it right. Ephesians, please. Oh, Philippians, rather. Uh, chapter, chapter 4. Sometimes in humility, I want to make it right. You know, you say, I want to make it right and I really, I really need to make it right, but I don't know, and, and, we, and we wrestle with it, and we wrestle with it, and, but it's in humility that we learn that uh, maybe, maybe I need some help sometimes. I might need some help, like, like the song leader needs help right now. I might need some help sometimes. Verse 1, Philippians chapter 4. Therefore, my beloved brethren, whom I long to see, my joy and, my, and crown, so stand firm in the Lord, my beloved, I urge Yodia and Syntyche, I urge Syntyche to live in harmony in the Lord. I urge them, all right? He, indeed, true comrade, I ask you to help these women who have shared in my struggle in the cause of the gospel together with Clement also and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. These were godly, faithful women, who shared, and, and Paul says he shares in the gospel. These women are very faithful to God, but they just needed a little bit of help. So Paul writes to the church of Philippi, and he urges them, it takes a little bit of help to get them. And sometimes, maybe that's what we ought to be. We, we ought to be peacemakers. Sometimes I might be able to be the one to bring the two together to solve or resolve an issue. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. To resolve it, to make it better, to, to lend some support, whatever it may be, in a godly way. Not take sides, right? Always stand on God's side. If you're the one that's going to help, you've got to stand with the Lord. Right? 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Sometimes we need a little bit of help. And instead of brethren hurting each other and trying to destroy one another, it's hard enough to serve God faithfully. Let's work together. Right? Work together for the cause of Christ. But regarding personality clashes, some people just don't really want to work with other people. How are we going to get through this? God made us different for a purpose. And one of the scriptures I absolutely love as you know, you love all the word, all the scriptures, but you gotta love a scripture found in verse 18 of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Here's what God says 
here's the person I say, okay, this person over here, I, I just can't work with this brother or, or this sister because blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. And you step back for a moment and say, well, what does God have to say about that? And then God says in verse 18, but now God has placed the members, each one of them in the body, just as he desired. You know what he didn't do? He didn't call me up and say, hey, Brother Cloud, I want you to know something. He didn't call me and ask for my opinion, right? And so if this is where this person is supposed to serve, let them serve. And help them, encourage them, strengthen them, find an ability to be a part to help God's work to continue on. And then when those personality clashes happen, step away for just a moment. And you know what we might have to admit? Maybe I'm not the one for the job, right? Verse 19 goes on to say, and if they were all one member, where would the body be? You see, when you think about your personality and who you are, thank God for that. Now, how do you use that in the service of the Lord? But now there are many, there are many members, but one body, and the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Why? Because God put the hand and the feet exactly where he wanted them to be. And then verse 22, on the contrary, it is much truer then that the members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And so when you look at it, you start going, well, I think Brother Heffington uh, dealt with it well. And he says, when we look at it and go, well, I, well, that's where we need to stop for a moment. Right? Step back. Say, okay, Lord, how do you want me to serve? Where do you want me to serve? In what capacity do you want me to serve? But you see, I'm really good at this. But see, you don't, you're having a hard time with personality issues with these individuals over here. So maybe this one you sit out. But that's what God called me. Church, it has to be about God. Right? That's the only way we're going to be able to set aside maybe some minor issues with each other that we may have. Some of them are festering. right? Some of them fester in congregations. And then eventually they're faster to the point of what have we seen over and over again? Uh, splits in the Lord's church. Why? Why, why are we doing that? Boy, never be a part of that one, right? That means we haven't done everything we're supposed to do to make things right. First Corinthians chapter, chapter 1. Each Christian is unique. We are unique. Each one of us are unique to God and unique in the world in which we live. In our own way, though, right? In our own way. So, verse 10, again, back to Corinth, right? Now I exhort you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree, and there be no division among you, but you may complete in the same mind and in the same judgment. What have you heard brothers say about that verse over and over again? That's an impossibility. I said, you haven't even tried. <laughs> You haven't even tried. Have you tried that yet? Well, no, I mean, I haven't. But, you know, to get us all together. Well, it starts with you, right? Yeah, but see, the whole church, well, it starts with you, though, right? It starts with me. How can we be united? It starts with me. Sometimes when it starts with me, it means that I've got to step back, right? Step back. Always step back and observe, observe anyway. But listen to what was going on. For I have been informed concerning you, my brethren, by Chloe's people, that there are quarrels among you. Now I mean this, that each one of us is saying, I'm of Paul, and I'm of Apollos, and I'm of Cephas, and I'm of Christ. And how is that going to work out, church? What was the point of that argument? What were they trying to do? Look at me. Oh, well, no, no. See, I'm a Pauline Christian. There's no such thing as a Pauline Christian. Right? 
But that's what they were doing. Well, I'm, I'm part of Apollos, and so, you know, I'm in this group over here. Oh, you know how much money I gave to the Lord's church? I'm in this group over here. It doesn't work, church. Money's no good here, by the way. Right? Never think that. Right? Never think that we have gold pews and silver pews and bronze pews. We don't have that, right? We're all one in Christ and we're all the same. Right? We're all the same. You got to love this. They were not trying to fix it because they were immature. That's the other side of it. They were still on milk when they were supposed to be on meat. We just have to watch out for personality clashes, right? And we watch for them even in ourselves, right? It's always, it's always good to be willing to admit that I, I have some issues, right? And I got to pray about those issues. Maybe there's some that you might have a personality clash with. No one else even knows it. You got to pray about those issues. Are you praying about those issues and giving it to the Lord? So here's, here's just a suggestion for us in uh, closing out tonight. I want to turn to Acts for just a moment. Chapter 2. One of the things that will benefit us most to reduce personality clashes is get to know each other. <laughs> right? I, I get to know. But well, why is so-and-so so passionate about this? And then you start learning the history and you go, wow, now I understand. Well, you know, this whole time I had you pegged wrong. Well, you shouldn't have pegged him. <laughs> you should have asked a question. Get to know one another. That's what the early church did. The early church were up against such steep opposition and persecution and yet the church never failed or didn't falter it held it held God true it held in the midst of persecution it held strong it should have broken up this should not exist but it's because of our great God that it does right God said it would never be destroyed it was never destroyed and Satan brought such opposition against it but when they stood together when they got to know each other Boy, they gave Satan a tough time. So, so 3,000 souls are added to the body of Christ. Others are added to the body of Christ. Jumping down to verse 44. And all those who had, been, who had believed were together and had all things in common. That's not impossible. You can't do that, preacher. They did. Didn't they? What, what do you think became a priority for them? Salvation. Souls. Souls were their priority. Right? Souls. Souls. Because it kept growing every day. From that 3,000, people were being added to the body of Christ every single day. They kept adding and adding. Souls were important to them. It goes on to say in our, in our text here. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing with them or sharing them with all as anyone might have need. And day by day, Continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were, to, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. They were so excited to be saved. Right? It, it, it's not, yeah, well, you know, I, I came to Christ, uh, you know, 50 years ago, and, yeah, you know, I've been, I've been faithful. You know, just, no, it's, I, I'm, I'm a child of God, and I'm, and I'm excited to be saved. Right? And that kind of, I don't know, does that, does that wear off over time? Are we not excited to be saved? To be in a relationship with God? When you take the Lord's Supper, you're not saying, hey, this is exciting. 
the body and the blood of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. This is great. I'm saved. God came back and made me right. This is, I'm not here for just no reason at all. I could be out there enjoying the sunshine right now, but no, I'm here. I was here this morning. I'm saved. Did it, does it just wear off on us? They were excited to be children of God, and they were, every day they were telling people, I'm saved. Let me show you how to be saved. But the Roman government, the Roman government, they're going to kill us all. I'm saved. And the church kept growing and growing and growing, and it remained strong. Verse 47, praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. And then let's close in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 25. That there should be no division in the body. But that the members should all have the same care for one another. The members should have the same care for one another. There should be no division. No division, same care. No division, same care. So when there's division, maybe my caring is off. But when I'm caring... Maybe the division goes away. In the body of Christ, as long as none of us make it about us, about me, God's work grows. It sustains itself. It strengthens itself. It feeds itself. And then it feeds those who are willing to receive it. Personality clashes are going to happen. Just pray about it. Because God put them here for a reason. I put that God put that person in the place they're at for a reason. Why is so and so always out there sweeping the parking lot? Thank you, God, for the person who's out there sweeping the parking lot because that's not me. Right? I'd rather do something different. So be it. Find your strength and use it to the glory of God. Tonight, if we can help anyone in any way, please come all together. We stand and sing our song of invitation. In the-